Hello and welcome to Should I Wish Someone Told Me, a weekly series of educational conversations where my guest and I talk about all of the shit that we wish someone told us at some point or another so that you don't have to figure it out the hard way. I'm your host, John Renee, and I am an evidence-based life coach that specializes in teaching you how to help yourself by learning what works for you so that you can stop feeling like blah and start actually feeling good about who you are and really being confident in who that is. Joining us today, we have Najwa Yasmin. She is a biblio coach at Words and Actions, LLC. You can find her on Instagram at Words Actions, LLC and online at wordsactions.com. I'll be sure to link all that in the description below so you can check that out. And what we're going to be talking about today is shit that I wish someone told me about the way that I work. Specifically, we're going to be focusing on learning what way that is, why it's so important, and how to actually do it. Our goal today is to encourage you to create a healthy work life. And this conversation is for you, whether you are an entrepreneur who is doing this alone, or whether you are someone who works as part of a team and organization, because what we're going to be talking about today is the importance of understanding what works for you and how that relates to your overall work performance and also your relationships with those that you work with and also just your quality of life because we spend a lot of time working. And so it's important that you have a healthy relationship with that. And on that note, as you listen to this episode today, we want you to do so with the intention of answering the following two questions. So first of all, what do I need to have a healthy work life? And second of all, how does it feel to have a healthy work life? So just be thinking about those two things as we move through our conversation today. And now let me introduce you to our guest. Naja Yasmin is a learner, educator, and coach. During her time as a teacher and full-time nonprofit professional, she found herself excited to support the professional development of her peers and fellow employees. So with this realization, Najwa encountered her love for coaching and course building, which she incorporated with her insatiable desire for the written word. Najwa is the founder and chief wordsmith and action taker at Words and Actions LLC, where she partners with women to create the lives they want through coaching and book-based learning opportunities. And we are so grateful that she is here today. Welcome back. Is there anything else that you would like to add or mention before we dive into today's conversation? Not at this time. I am just excited to be able to have this conversation with you. And I realize it keeps coming up in my life recently. And I'll be able to talk about it more with some other folks as well. And I think this is such an important conversation to have. And yep. it's right on time as we end the summer. So yes. And thank you for having me again. Of course. Thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure. And I'll make sure to link our other episodes in the description as well. We have spoken about the beauty of saying no. Um, and also the importance of self-reflection. So lots of good gems in there. And I'm excited to hear and share uh, what we have to say in our conversation today and hope that it supports anyone and everyone listening. And if so, that you're able to take what we share and actually use it to create and improve your healthy work life. So with all of that, let's start it off. What is some shit you wish someone told you about the way you work? Oh, I think a key thing that I wish someone would have told me is how important it is to understand what my work style is and the best way for me to relate to people at work Um, and understanding that and how to figure that out. How about you? I think the same. And also... I think we put a lot of emphasis on what the job is, right? Like what we do for work, but not so much on how we do it. And that's essentially what we're going to be talking about today. And so some shit that I wish someone would have told me about the way that I work is, like you said, the importance of knowing what that way is. And also just pointing out that that's part of it. Like it's not just becoming the thing or having the title It's also knowing how to do that in a way that is effective. And I don't just mean effective in like, you know, you're able to produce a lot. I mean, effective in the way that it's something that provides you with satisfaction, because I think that more and more people are learning today that job satisfaction is very important and, you know, also effective in the way that like it supports you to create and provide a value to your team and to life in general, because it's important for all of us to, you know, feel like what we're doing makes a difference. And so 
I think that that plays into knowing how to actually do that. So you can have the perfect job, like for you, not saying, you know, perfect, you know, exists necessarily, but you can have like an ideal job for you. And at the same time, if you don't know how to maintain it because you're overworking yourself and you're getting burned out and like you're overextending and, you know, you're just not happy with it because you don't feel like you're getting the results that you would like, then what's the point? Like, who cares what the title is if you're miserable? And so those are some of the things I wish that someone had told me about the way that I work so that I would know it's not just about, hey, like you want to do this thing, but it's also about the way in which you're doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So with all of that, um, what are some of the problems that come up when you don't know the ba- the best ways in which you work? Like whenever you, like I said, you, you have the job, but you don't necessarily know like how to, you know, do it in the way that works for you. What are some of the challenges and problems with that? One word, frustration. Um, (laughs) I think at some point you get, and there's more to it than that as well, but I think at some point you get frustrated with yourself at times. I know when I didn't understand, I got frustrated with myself. Why am I not able to get this done the way other people are able to? Um, and then when you ask for certain things or you don't know what to ask for, supervisors might get frustrated why don't you know what you need why aren't you able to get deliver this when you need to I'm frustrated what does this look like um and you have to have these conversations and then if you're working on a team and you can't figure out how to support your team because you can't support yourself more frustration and it's just this space where you're sort of like grasping at straws where you don't know what needs to be done um and I feel like that breeds a whole other set of emotions um some of which we spoke about earlier and that you shared when we were talking which included powerlessness which I really liked how you broke that down yeah yeah thank you for that because I feel like you encapsulated it really well like the frustration can come up in so many different ways and yeah for me I feel like you pointed out and thank you for doing so that one of the problems is that, yeah, you feel really powerless because you don't know like what's impacting your exhaustion. And it's one of those things where, and the example that I shared whenever we were in our you know preliminary conversation about this conversation that we're having right now was that I was working at a job and it was something where I was a manager and the amount of work that I would perceive myself doing once I got home did not equate to the level of exhaustion that I felt like I would be spent. Like I wouldn't want to talk to anyone. Like I would want to lay, I would come home and I would lay with my feet up the wall. I would let my little dog out. I would lay with like my feet up the wall and I would just didn't want to do anything. Like I didn't want to hear. I didn't want to listen to anything. Like I just was exhausted. And so, you know, it's something where fortunately I was able to say like, it's definitely this job, right? Because it didn't happen any other time. And I think that when we don't take that pause because we're doing so much outside of the job, we like, you know, have the kids, we have like the social engagements and we have like all these other things on our calendar. It's something where you know, at the end of the day, you sit down and you're just like, geez, like, I'm just so exhausted. I, I don't, (laughs) I I just get to go to bed and then do it again. Like it's essentially being caught in like a hamster wheel, if you want to think of it in that sense. And so that is what I was referring to whenever I said it's this like sensation of powerlessness, because when there are so many things that could be a part of the problem, it's tough to pinpoint it. And so in this situation, what was true for me is that I'm like, oh, it's definitely just the job. Um, I mean, obviously there could be other things impacting that, but the job was like primary. And within that, you know, it's something where it, it became this resentful situation. Like I very much like would start to resent the fact that, oh, 
like I said, it's like I, I get to go to sleep and then wake up and do it again. And I was resentful about that because it's like I want to do other stuff and I don't want to mm-hmm. not want to have to go and like do the things that are on my to do list. Like I don't I don't want to have to hate my job. I don't want to like snap at you know my coworkers. And it was something where and this this is not just true in this particular job, but it's something where I would know that I had stopped caring about a job when I would stop being on time. I just wouldn't give a shit. Like if I was 10 minutes late, oh, well, <laughs> like, so that was always like one of the tells for me. Um, and depending on how long I would stay in that situation, like past its expiration date or, you know, I wouldn't do anything about it. I would just end up hating it. Like I really ended up hating it. And one of the things that, um, to take it back to like the late example, one of the things that I realized, you know, it was kind of not a turning point, but like a real eye opener in terms of learning about myself and like the ways that I work and what works for me and self-discovery was, you know, like I said, I, I was present to the fact that like, okay, sometimes I'm late. That means that I've stopped caring. Right. But it was a situation where I was finishing a workout and knowing how far away my job was and how much time was left in the workout. I was like, I'm going to be late. Like I could stop right now and I could do it and I could make it there on time or I could finish my workout and definitely be late. So I chose in that moment to finish my workout and be late because I was like, I'm going to be mad AF if I have to stop my workout to go to this job that it doesn't really matter if I, you know, it wasn't like I was opening or like they needed me to be there at a certain time. Right. So I was very much just like, I'm just going to be late. And so that was, I say a self-discovery moment for me, I say everything's just, you know, R and D. And so that was a real, a real research to research, a real moment of research where I was like, Oh, I really need movement in my life in order for me to be set up to have a good work experience. And so um, we'll talk more about later, you know, or we'll talk more later about what that looks like. And so, um, yeah, that again, was just like an indication where I was like, okay, so the, this is something that I need. This is the way that I work. I need to know that I've got this, these things done before I am able, before I, I feel good and not resentful and not angry to show up at this job that I have to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So those go, what were you going to say? It was just making me think of ways in which I also would similarly feel like this might not be the space for me. And whenever I was in that space, it was those moments where the alarm went off in the morning and I was just like, I don't want to. Yeah. And it would happen consecutively. And so when you're in that space and recognizing that for yourself, I think, going back to our conversation of self-reflection that's powerful to recognize where is it coming from and why so that that's what was coming to mind there right thank you for sharing that because i i know in hearing that you are not alone because yeah i've had those thoughts too and so it can't just be the two of us right i know other people have also had those thoughts and so yeah it's it's something where and so i want to put this out here before we move on but I think it's something where in those moments, we try to convince ourselves that we shouldn't feel the way that we're feeling like, oh, I should be grateful that I have a job. Like what's wrong with me? Like this job is amazing. Like, you know, it's got all these benefits or like, you know, my coworkers or my boss or like whomever, like I should be lucky. Like what's wrong? Like we internalize the Mm -hmm. fact that we aren't happy. And oftentimes, you know, it's because we don't know the ways in which we work. And so that very well could set you up for success so that you're not having these feelings. And so, you know, that brings us to what I want to cover next is, you know, why not knowing the ways in which we work um, are so detrimental. Like, why is it so detrimental for us to feel frustrated and powerless and resentful at work? And, um, you know, I started to preface us with one where I shared, you know, just the most recent example, it's something where we start to internalize it. And then we start to doubt ourselves and we start to, you know, trust our ability to understand what it is that we're feeling because we're trying to convince ourselves that, you know, what we quote unquote should, right. The toxicity of should, what we should be thinking, we should quote unquote, be grateful when we have to, you know, when we start trying to tell ourselves that 
and convince ourselves of that, like toxic positivity style. It's something where that's not in alignment with what we're feeling. And when we have that disconnect in our head, then, you know, it, it's that, that in and of itself is overwhelming because we're like, well, who do I believe? Like mm-hmm. the person that I'm trying to convince myself or like the way that I actually feel like that's a misalignment. And so that's really where I feel that a lot of us start to have mental health concerns. And so what do you think about that? I would say specifically you, you shared that's in some ways where we start to have those mental health concerns. That can be a space where we breed anxiety as we're going into work. And that in turn can decrease productivity for some folks or can hype up perfectionism. I know that's something that happened for me. And I was just like, oh my goodness, everything has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, is it going to work out the way it needs to? Right. Um, and in those ways, when you're not meeting that idea of perfect, or you might not meeting the productivity standard that you have for yourself, or even the expectations that your company might have, you might feel a decrease in confidence. You might feel like, oh, well, I'm not doing it. So I don't know if I'm able to do this job. You might feel an uptick in imposter syndrome. I feel like it can decrease effectiveness and possibly lead to burnout. And look, burnout is a whole other like conversation of understanding what that looks like, where it comes from, how it relates to what you're doing. And burnout is just like the stages of it. I, I, there's, I'll have to find the stages and send them to you and, but the stages of it and seeing how it impacts and what it looks like to move through that, it starts with that sort of the lack of confidence, the decreased productivity, the resentfulness. It starts with that. And so when we're able to understand the way we work, we can decrease some of those symptoms of like leading up to burnout. Yeah. And so I think mm, 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 those are those are key pieces. Yeah. I 1000% agree. And thank you for sharing those. And, you know, you mentioned as well, um, the burnout, obviously, and the exhaustion that can come from that and, you know, mentally and emotionally, and sometimes even physically. And something that I wanted to share with everyone is that we are not made to multitask. Like, I know that you may be listening to this, like, I'm a great multitasker. That is an adaptation and there's the maladaptive one. We were not made to multitask. We were made to be focused on a singular activity. It is that the way in which we have been conditioned now with notifications and with, you know, social media and with emails and with all of the things with these productivity, you know, apps and hacks and stuff that we feel that we need to produce, produce, produce. We feel that we need to be able to, and that we have to multitask in order to produce at this level that our society glorifies and glamorizes. And that's not true. A recent research study has shown, and this is a study from the University of California at Irvine, on average, it takes about 23 minutes for most workers to get back on task after a single interruption. And so when you think of that in terms of your multitasking, like, if you are focused on one thing and then you start trying to do another and then you start, you know, Oh, I'm, I also need to go do this other thing. Right. Like that, those are interruptions. And so compo- compounded with, if you're trying to get something done, you've got, you know, coworkers coming in, you've got like someone, Hey, can I, you know, just ask you a quick question. And this is something that I had found from my story earlier whenever I was like, why am I so exhausted right now? It's because I would start to do the things on my list as a manager, but then someone would have a question or there would be a need and like prioritizing, I would have to drop that and then come back to it. And so on average, like I said, it takes around 23 minutes for most workers to get back on task after an interruption. So that is a lot of time. If you think of that, five interruptions, that's like an hour that you've spent just trying to figure out like what it was that you were doing. And so when we think that, you know, we're doing a good job of multitasking, 
let me let, let's be honest. Like if you were half-assing something, then you're not whole-assing anything. And so that was kind of a crass way of saying that, you know, <laughs> if you're not paying full attention to something, then you're not giving it your all, you're not giving it your best. And so when it comes to that, and when it comes to this consideration um, from the study that I just shared about, you know, how long it takes you to kind of get back on task, because even if you are multitasking, like, let's be honest, something usually takes priority and then, right. Yeah. Nosh was nodding her head. Like, yep. That's <laughs> something usually takes priority. And then, so we've, we've been distracted. Then it's going to take, you know, 23 minutes on average to get back after that. Cause on average, like that can mean it takes yeah a little less, but you know what? That can also mean it takes a little bit more. And so whenever we take that in consideration, like I said, it's something where it's like your brain is exhausted from doing all this task switching. And so that was something where in my story earlier, I realized, oh, it's not that I'm doing, you know, really intensive stuff. It's that my brain has literally just been switching from one task to the other, to this other task. Yeah. Back like, like ping pong or like a, like a pinball machine, if you will, like just going all around. And so no wonder, like a lot of my brain power is not exerted on, you know, doing a great job on the task at hand, but instead trying to figure out what I was doing because that's just not how our brains were made. And so, yeah, like that too is something that can lead to us feeling frustrated, powerless, resentful, and that can have these, you know, detrimental effects because we're teaching our brain that like, that's normal, right? I talk a lot about the subconscious and how 95 to 90% of all things we do are on a subconscious level. And so you're training your brain to like be in this stressed out, like ping pong, um, pinball, excuse me. You're, you're training your brain to be in this type of a environment. You're training your brain that that is normal because we spend so much time at work. And I mentioned, you know, we were going to go over the, the actual statistic for how much time we spend at work. It's estimated that roughly 9,000 or excuse me, 90, 90,000 90, hours are how many hours we spend at work over your lifetime. And that is a third of your life roughly. Right. And that's from the Gettysburg college. And so Whenever we take that into consideration, if we are not aware of the most effective ways in which we work and we are just kind of like trying to get by and we're flitting from task to task, we're pinball machining as we're just going to coin that phrase, then it's something where, you know, a third of our life, we are in this place where we feel really resentful. And that's going to be something that whether you're like, Oh, just leave it at the door, check my baggage. That's work stuff. You're, you are you, regardless of whether you were at work, whether you were at home, whether you were asleep, no matter what you were doing, you are always you. And so while, yeah, you may be able to like leave that stuff at work, it's still with you. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, these are some of the reasons why it can be so detrimental for us to be in this state of frustration and powerlessness and resentfulness and, to not know the ways in which we work. And when you share that statistic about the 90,000 hours, is that based on an eight hour work, eight, eight hours a day, five hours? I mean, eight hours a day, five days a week, work week, 40 hours? It's based on, yes, it's based on like, it's been estimated that the average person will spend one third of their life at work. That's roughly 90,000 hours over time. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're not even thinking about for those of us or folks who are working overtime and pulling 12 hour days, like how long are you spending at work and resentful? And how long is your brain pinballing between different things? I remember this actually came up with a team I worked with. So I was working in a nonprofit education focus and out in, I was in the Bay and we always had open office floor plans. So anybody can walk up and ask you something, say what's happening. And for me, my position was as a learning and development professional. So I'm usually creating Mm. at that point in time. So, or I'm responding to emails because I was an internal coach as well. I can't tell you how many times I reread the same sentence, how many times I reread the same paragraph in a book or had to go back and find the paragraph or find Mm -hmm. the post-it note in the book to know where I was going or what I was thinking of. 
and to have to go back and do that multiple times, it it did take time. It was time consuming. Um, and so we ended up constructing a way. I mean, also, we all enjoyed joking around with one another. We were our own distractions at times. Let's be very clear. Right. Um, but part of it was, we're like, how can we make this so it is a better environment for us, so we can be more focused? And as a team, we were like, what if we make some sort of signal mm-hmm. where we can signal to one another? So education, we're all former former educators on my team. So teachers, we like playing with things, crafting things. We took little cups and we made little cutouts and we made a red, yellow, and green sign. And on that red sign, we said, cannot talk right now. This is focus time. And we would put that on top of our desk and somebody could look at it and say, hey, she's on red. She's on focus time. Can't talk to her. We had yellow, like, and that was... You could put the yellow down and say, hey, you can interrupt me, but I'll need time to let you and let you know when I can talk to you. And we pulled that from a training we had been to at Compass Point. And and they also have a book about nonprofit uh, coaching for nonprofit leaders and managers. And they were like, um, part of it was like when someone comes up to you and you're trying to focus on something and they also need your time, just make the time and say, hey, can't right now. In this other time period, I can then support you and have my full focus on you. And so that's where we got the yellow from. And the green was like, go ahead, let's chat it up or have a conversation or you can ask me what you need. But this was one way in which we were able to do that. Other teams in the company, some of them tried that as well, but some also were like, Use those away messages on email. Mm. I am unable to get back to you at this point in time. I'm in focus time for this week. I'll get back to you as able because they were working on like galas and stuff. I was just like, yeah, that's not my space. But for the signage, that was helpful. And it allowed us to have that focus time so we could focus on the key things we needed to be able to get things done. So I love that example. And thank you so much for sharing because that's such a game changer in terms of like workflow and job happiness. And it's so creative and so simple. And what a cool thing. Like, how did you think to do that? Like, I know that you mentioned that you kind of like picked and, you know, chose from like other places, but um, like, what was the, you obviously saw the need, right? Like you saw the need because you were like, and personally, whenever you said, (laughs) whatever you said open space like we talked to you know we could talk to everyone I was like I I get that you know places are trying to do that and like that's great and also as an introvert when you said that I was just like Jesus I would need a brown paper bag to come with me um as part of my (laughs) employment package like that sounds like just no thank you um but so with that being said yeah whatever like you came up with a system like I think that that's so genius and so um could you walk us through if you would like what that was like like about how long did it take before you realized okay like we've got to do something and then from there like what was it that um you know gave you the idea like was it that you read it or that you had seen it in other leaderships or did you just like come up with that in your own like magical self so I will say Personally, I did not come up with it by myself. So shout out to the Unicorn Squad, which is the team I worked on. We adored one another. Um, But our director or managing director is now her position um, was like, hey, what do we need as a team to be Mm -hmm. able to function better? Mm -hmm. And we began to have this conversation and we went through a data deep dive as a team. And one of the things were like, one of the things was more focus time. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we all began to strategize and think of like what we were like, we need some way to signal one another. If we need to signal one another, what are some things we can do? And then we sort of started thinking about like, oh, we could have like a color system that says like, yes, no, maybe so. You know, just what, what, what do we need? Um, And we began having this brainstorm and going back and forth. And we started, we grabbed some construction paper Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we were like, let's see. So if we did this color and we went through the colors and what we could use, it ended up being the colors of like a street light. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Which makes so much sense. Like we all know what that means. Like you didn't have to tell me, like if you would have handed it to me, I could have, I I, would have known. Right. Yeah. That's it worked out well and we started using it and other people in the office was like we're like what what are you doing what is that and we told them and they're like ah and so some other folks also started using it but it was a great way for a team building mm-hmm. recognizing your teammates needs needs and also it asks you to be not only aware of your teammate but aware of yourself if you're working on something and you need focus time you need to be able to share. I need this focus time in this moment. Right. And what does that look like? Right. Which, and thank you for pointing that out because I think so many times it's something where we might know that, but we don't want to be rude and we don't want to say, like, we don't know how to say like, Hey, I really need this time right now. So I can focus on this. And also I think on the flip side of that, a lot of people don't know how to receive that. They feel that as like, oh, well, they just don't want to talk to me. And like, no, like take yourself out of it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It is always about, you are always about you. Like, right. Like if someone else like is doing something that is about them. And so, yeah, like, I think that, like you said, like it was, that, that was a great opportunity for awareness and for team building and yeah, just to really make sure that you're on the same page. And it's something that I think oftentimes a lot of people, like I said, like we just, we don't know how to have these conversations and because we, no one ever told us. And since we're in that position, it's something where, you know, that's why we're talking about, you know, should have where someone told me about the way that I work and mm-hmm. what you shared is an awesome example of figuring out what works for you and your team, like you said, and, you know, other people even adopted it like within the organization, which is also awesome and a testament to the effectiveness. And so hopefully, you know, for anyone listening or watching, it gives them some consideration as well. Like, oh, like that would be helpful. And, you know, for anyone else who may be listening and watching as well, who is like, you know, I would like something like that, but I don't know if that would necessarily work for me. You know, how can they figure out ways that best work for them and their team? Ooh, there are several things. I think it's first like looking at the self. I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of times we start looking at the outside first. Let's think of that self-reflection piece and how it can encourage us to grow. Right. And let's use some tools for self-reflection. Sorry, I just hit my mic. Um, For emphasis, that means (laughs) we know you're serious. I'm excited. I'd speak with my hands. Um, I think one of the first things is recognizing what do you need? Mm -hmm. And so there's simply understanding, A, this is the way I communicate. Mm -hmm. And how does my communication style work well for me? And what are ways that I can alter it to make it work even better? Mm. So for instance, one of my things is, I like to ask lots of questions, Mm -hmm. but sometimes questions can be overwhelming for folks. Mm -hmm. So it might be easier for me to ask my questions, but in email format and then follow up with someone and meet with them. Right. Yeah. Another thing is how do you like feedback? Some people like that sandwich method of feedback. Some people are like, give me the good, then the bad, or give me the bad, then the good. Right. Actually, there's some research about the fact that if you get the feedback on two separate days, quote unquote, positive constructive feedback or negative constructive feedback, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. um, you'll be more likely to take both in mm. more equally. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I purposely am like, I want them on separate days as long as that is possible mm-hmm. because that allows me to focus on it because otherwise my the negative feed negative constructive feedback is gonna overtake any of the positive mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't I didn't hear any of that that part went one ear out the other but I'm remembering the other part mm. I love that idea and I, I didn't know that and so I love that and that that's an actual study and it makes so much sense because you know confirmation bias like we're going to believe what we want and so whenever you said like i'm going to focus on the positive i was thinking the opposite right or, or excuse me you're like i'm going to focus on the negative i was like i'm thinking the opposite like for those of us who have you know some um you know idea or belief that like let, let me only focus on the positive and like really amplify that 
Um, I watch a lot of uh, one of my guilty pleasures, I suppose, is um, like Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, mm-hmm. where he goes in and like, yeah, makes over like the kitchens. And um, one of the things that a lot of people usually say, this makes sense for our conversation, I, I promise. Um, they're like, but look at all of our reviews. Like people love this. And he's like, do you think that I pay attention to all the good reviews? He's like, no, I pay attention to all the bad reviews because that's what's going to tell me, you know, what, what I need to work on. And so taking that to the conversation that we're having here today. Yeah. If it's something where I got both feedback at one time, I can very much see where I'm like focusing on the positive right? Where I'm like, oh, well, yeah, they said the bad stuff too, but they said these really good things too. And that's awesome, right? Like we love that. Congratulations. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like negative. It could just be constructive, like here's ways to improve. But if it's something where, yeah, like maybe I'm not in the best emotional state that day, right? Like maybe something happened. So you present me with all this information. So my Mm -hmm. confirmation bias, just the way that our brains work, I'm going to take what I need in order to make myself feel better. And so, or in order to make myself feel, you know, what's my version of normal. So if it's Mm -hmm. something where, you know, I'm used to focusing on the bad, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that. And so I love, love, love that you brought up the notion and the study that says that like, give them on separate days so that you can take them both in so that you can like kind of marinate on the meat. Yeah. I did not mean Mm -hmm. to interrupt, but um, oh no, you're fine. When did you share that example? Um, (laughs) Because yeah, I feel that it's just like so many people do that. Like so many people mm-hmm. from you know, restaurant owners to like employees in like, you know, mm-hmm. um, corporation like stances. And so anyway, go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. No, you're good. Please. <laughs> I, I, as you were sharing about the Gordon Ramsay piece and the fact that he was looking at mostly the bad ones and the shop owners are usually looking at the positive ones. I think when you're looking at data like that, specifically when I do data deep dives about like with surveys or anything, mm-hmm. I look at both at once. Because sometimes they favor one another mm-hmm. in different ways. Mm-hmm. Somebody will say, keep this up. And somebody will say, yes, but change this. Mm-hmm. And that, in those ways, you're able to meld it together and get something even more beautiful. I love that. Um, and that's like one way that you can use like a start, stop, continue, swap analysis. But we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. But going into the positive things, also knowing like, what's your appreciation language? What's your conflict style? Yeah. And there are assessments out there. And maybe what I'll do is I'll send those to you, Jana, so you can leak those if that's yeah, supportive. Yeah, of course. Um, and p- that is what you can use to sort of begin to create either a team chart where you have this listed out for one another. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is what I need. And this is how, like, what's helpful for me. So you can refer back to that. Mm-hmm. That's what my team and I did. We're like, oh, these are ways you like to be appreciated. You're more of like a gifts. You're more of like a words of knowledge. Let's make sure we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for some people, we might send cards of like, congratulations, da, da, da. for somebody else, they might get a gift, but understanding what people like and need yeah. and want. Um, we also noted like favorite orders of different things because that was helpful too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like, I heard this one CEO talking about once manuals of me Mm-hmm. And she had her whole organization write out, this is the best way to, to work with me. And this is how I work. And they use that to support one another. And there is a whole website, www.manualof.me, that you can check out and create your own manuals of me. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'll leave that in the description as well. Yeah, it's it's so necessary. So I feel like I've been talking for a minute, but <laughs> those are... Those are definitely strategies that folks could can use to yeah. support it. Those are all gems. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. Thank you for talking for a minute. I interrupted with my Gordon Ramsay story. Um, <laughs> whom like he's just so cool. As I so when I was in this position that I mentioned earlier that I keep referring to um, for the purposes of our conversation today, it was something where they were very big on feedback. And I love that you mentioned like knowing like, you know, what the best style is for different people because different strokes for different folks and so (laughs) i was very present to feedback whenever i was in this um with this company and as i was watching these episodes i'm like damn gordon ramsay is really good at giving that feedback at really good at taking like you know this is what you're good at like this is why you're doing it and like it was always like very articulate and very like considerate granted 
I know we all know him from like screaming at people. Um, and he did some of that too, which I mean, I appreciate because <laughs> I respect that. Um, cause sometimes like that works, sometimes that works. And so, um, whatever he's not doing that he, I mean, obviously, and I don't think that, you know, I, I need to speak to his accolades, but obviously he's doing something right. And so we, of course, get the glorification of him screaming at people because that gets the views, the clicks, whatever. But he did have a really great way of providing feedback um, whenever he would be speaking with people and really like focusing on like the importance. And so um, as you are learning more about this, I share that because I invite you to just be mindful of the ways in which people give feedback and the ways in which the other person responds. Right. Because there's a difference between just going in and berating someone and telling them like everything that they did wrong versus having a conversation like, Hey, here's some areas for improvement. And the reason that we're doing this is not because you're a piece of shit. It's because this is going to help move you closer to your goal. And it might be uncomfortable to look in that mirror and realize that, Hey, the way that I've been working is ineffective. That might be uncomfortable because we all want to be right. And so acknowledging that and at the same time, you know, not feeling bad about it. Like, I mean, feel how, feel how you need to feel about it, but not like dwelling in that feeling, like not walk, like rolling around and wallowing in like your sorrow there. And like you having yourself a pity party. I'm over here, like halfway dancing in my chair. I don't know what that is, but I do think that what you said is very important. Just become aware, first of all, of what works for you. Like you said, start with the internal, not the external. And I made a note, um, you know, it's kind of like doing um, one of those ways of awareness is kind of doing like the first two parts of a SWOT analysis. So strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, Strength-based coaching has shown in controlled studies that the effectiveness of strength-based coaching um, in an executive stance enhances the full range of leadership development and in 2014 showed significant increases in the transformational leadership behaviors, not just for the participants, but at all levels. So essentially what that means is that when, you know, someone as a leader, particularly is, you know, working to become more effective with their leadership styles that like that has a ripple effect. And it's something that is recognized, you know, not just like from them, but from those that they work with at different levels. And so whenever we are looking at, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses, I invite you to do that because you can oftentimes take whatever your strengths are and leverage them in those areas where you're not so strong. Those areas that we're calling, let's just call them weaknesses, right? Or in those areas for like opportunity, if you want to frame it with that. But that borrowing of skills is going to empower you to do what's already working and like leverage what you already know so that you're not trying to, you know, build something from the ground up. Like you've already got like a little bit of foundation there. And that's what you're doing with that. You're just taking that foundation and you're putting it, you know, like at the, the plot next door instead of, you know, trying to start from the, the ground. Um, I love what you mentioned about the strategies of you, um, excuse me, the manuals of me is uh, the actual name of it, like the strategies of you. I don't know where I got that from. Um, and then like the communication styles, like that's something that I wanted to also circle back to because when we are thinking about how people work, um, it's something that I know for me, and this is like one example that I wanted to share. It's something where if you were to tell me to do a project, then I just need to know what I need to know to get it done anything that you don't want me to do, like any very specific parameters on that and when I need it done by. I have worked with people who like to tell me every effing thing about the project, like everything. Like, so, hey, we were thinking and, you know, we had this idea and we were having coffee and a bird went by and we were like, oh, wow, that would be a really great idea for this project. And then from there, you know, Sarah piped in and said that like, you know, we should do this, right? Like, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, like by the time they're done telling me their story, I'm like, I'm confident I could have at least be halfway done with what you wanted me to do. Like, I don't need to know all of this shit. I don't need to know how you came up with the idea. I don't need to know like 
what the end goal is necessarily. I mean, obviously like I am the way that I work and I know it's about myself is I'm very big on like belief and like purpose. And so like what the things that I'm doing need to matter or I'm going to be unhappy. They need to make a difference. And so, um, I mean, obviously I say that because I'm like, don't have me doing some like bullshit, but if there's a task that you need me to get done, I'm very much a, a get it done kind of a person. And I say that because I've gotten that a lot in feedback reviews. I've become present to it myself. And so I'm offering that to anyone listening who might be one of those people who was like me and the fact that you just get like really frustrated and I zone out. Like if you're telling me like this big long story that I care nothing about, I just need to know the logistics and specifics. Like it's really irritating to me. And on the other side of that, are people who do want to know the specifics. They want to know why they're doing it. They want to know like, you know, how it works. And like, they're very curious in that way, but that's, you know, that's them. And so if you were to tell them the logistics, or excuse me, if you were tell, if you were to give them just the information that I want, then it might be something where they feel like they need more direction, where they, you know, don't want to do it because they don't understand why they're doing it. And so it's important to know that's about yourself. And so it was important for me to learn that I'm becoming frustrated AF with this person and that's impacting my view of them. And I start to not like them because I'm like, why are they wasting my time? Like, that's how I'm seeing it versus it's just them and the people that they've worked with in the past and what they've been taught as, you know, providing all the information. Meanwhile, I'm irritated AF and I hate you now. and I want to go home. (laughs) So I offer that because I hope that someone listening um, get some comfort in that. And like, oh, yes. Now I know why. Now I know why Charles pisses me off. <laughs> like, it's not that he's an a-hole. It's that he tells me this stuff that I don't need to know. And I feel like it's a waste of my time. And therefore, time is a value of mine. And so I am resentful. And that therefore, you know, clouds my judgment of him. When really, if we just had this conversation and I was like, hey, this is all I need to know. I might love the guy. We might go out for golf on Sundays. I don't golf, but you might. So, you know, (laughs) but we might go out and do things. And so it's something where I hope that offers you an example and some perspective, just in kind of like putting all this together and like the importance and also like the ways in which it can serve as a detriment and make us angry. And which is, you know, we can talk about how that spirals, like low vibe emotions. We're then going to be resentful and like looking at like everything else through this angry lens because we're like, oh God, Charles, Charles just pissed me off. (laughs) Like, you know, so it really is something where there are simple solves, but it starts with knowing yourself. And it, you know, if you don't know that about you, that's no shade, no shame. Um, But it is to invite and encourage you to get to get to know yourself, like start to learn these things, go through the manuals of me, like, you know, answer some of these questions and see what it is that does work for you. And if it doesn't work the first time, okay, try it a couple more times, because let's be honest, first time I got a bicycle, you fell off of that shit. So make sure that you try it a couple times and then, you know, you can adjust, you can adapt, you can see what worked really well, what didn't, and you can take it from there. So that's what I have to say about that. And I would say in addition to Yes, inviting folks to create the manuals of me and also inviting supervisors, managers, organizational leaders. Let's ask people more, what do you need? There's someone I'm working with right now and I recognize one person I work with is like, let's meet hourly ever so often or I'll tell them that that's what I need. And so with this new person coming in, she didn't feel like she could say what she needed. And I'm Mm. like, what do you need? Mm -hmm. I said, what support do you need? How often mm-hmm. would you like to meet? She was like, can we do 15 minutes weekly? I was like, yeah, we can do that. Mm-hmm. And now she's like, I feel like we have more stuff to talk about. Can we do 30? I said, yes. I said, what else do you need from me? She was like, I would like feedback on what we need to do. I said, got it. What do you want to grow in? She was like, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. And then she went back and thought about it and came back. She was like, project management and time management. Let's let's have a conversation having these conversations are important Mm -hmm. because a it allows you to figure out hey what does this person actually need and b like some people would like more support some people like myself i'm like don't 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 email me every day right that is not what i want right if you give me a project i'm going to send it to you 
let me be. Like I'm like maybe we we meet weekly and I'll just update you quickly or I'll send you a nice little loom video and you can mm -hmm. be happy. <laughs> but there's different things that people need. Right. And it's recognizing that. And so like, yes, the manuals of me, but also it's on the onus of the leadership to be open to hearing yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Are you making it a space where your your staff, your employees, the consultants you work with can say, hey, this is what I need from you. Are you comfortable allowing them to set boundaries with you and you also modeling what that looks like for yourself? Yes. Yes, that is also good. And also one of the first things that came up for me, whenever you mentioned about like, yes, like leadership also, like, you know, you create manuals as well was, you know, and, and ask people, um, a couple thoughts. So the first one is, and follow through on that because awareness is nothing without implementation. And I say that a lot. And so I sound like a broken record, but it's, it's important to note. And so if you leaders know that, then do something with it. If Najwa and I were to fill out, you know, some manuals of me and I like, you know, words of affirmation and she likes gifts, then don't fucking give me a present and tell her she did a good job. <laughs> like, right. like, look at it, like actually right. use it. And I say that that sounds really obvious, but it's something where I think that as people start to do this work, it's something where we're just going to default to what we've always done once the newness wears off. And so that's why reflection is so important. Put mm -hmm. it in your calendar. Make sure that you are taking time like, oh, a month has gone by. Am I doing the things that this employee said that they need? Like, and like you said, like create that space. I wanted to, like, as you were talking about how with your new employee, like asking what they needed that they, you know, told you, but they felt, you know, fearful to do so. So yeah, like create the space because oftentimes, like if an employee goes to you, like that's a breach of trust. If you shut them down, like, oh, well, we don't really do that. Like, okay, well, you just told me that like, we were going to start. And so now you're telling me like, no. So yeah, like be open and mindful in that regard. And what you did, which I'm sure, you know, but I want to point this out from a listening watching what you did so beautifully was you are creating. I wanted to lean into the microphone and be like that, ladies and gentlemen, folks, y'all is how you create leaders. That is how you develop people. You ask them questions, you leave them alone and you then let them, you create the space that empowers them to come back to you and then say, Hey, this is what I learned about myself. Like what else? Like you create that excitement and that curiosity within them because you are planting that seed. You are giving them the questions. You are giving them the space like, hey, let me know what you need. What do you need? How long? Okay. What do you want? You know, what else do you need? Like you said, like what else? Like oftentimes we're just used to responding. We're not used to even considering what else. So the question itself, what else is an amazing question because they were able to return to you and say time management and project you know, project management and you were able to be like, all right, cool, I've got you. And so that is how leaders are developed. That is how people are developed. And so I, I just wanted to point out like, that's, that's how it happens. And these questions like ask better questions, you get better answers. So if you ask these questions of people, then you are as a byproduct, helping them with their development. You're helping them to mm -hmm. understand the ways in which they work. That's why bringing it back to you. That's why at the very beginning of this conversation, we asked you, what do you need in order to have a healthy work life? And how does it feel to have that healthy work life? Because we want you to start to have those considerations and we want you to have the space to consider what that is so that you can come back and ask us. You can come back and tell your own bosses or your own managers or your own employees, wherever you're at, so that you can take that and come back and you know, let people know that and also let yourself know that, because like we said, it's important to go inward first and to consider what it is that you need. And when you know that to then start doing something about it and taking action. So whether that is, you know, sliding into mine and Nashua's DMs, like asking us follow-up questions, whether that's going to the comments, asking us questions here, whether that is, like we said, doing something in your own personal relationships um, with your own work environment, then so be it, because that is how you develop. And that is how you understand the ways in which you work. Yeah. So mic drop, mic <laughs> drop. I don't want to drop it. We've not heard it. <laughs> I don't want to drop it.
to drop. I'll have to get a mic for for effect that we can just drop um, and send it to like all my guests so that we can drop it at appropriate at appropriate times for anyone who's watching. If you're listening, my apologies. You cannot see us drop the mic. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll tell you. We can tell you when we do it and you'll hear it. You'll hear the thud. I'll get like a heavy, like weighted situation. <laughs> It'll be really, really impactful. So we have covered a lot today. We have talked about, you know, why knowing the ways you work best has such benefits like increased productivity, uh, increased confidence in your job performance, increased effectiveness, improvement in your overall job satisfaction, um, how it supports you to prevent burnout, and, you know, how it makes life better because you're spending 90,000 hours doing that. And so it just helps to improve those 90,000 hours, which therefore, you know, just, I mean, makes things better and to figure out what works best for you. Like we spoke about just becoming aware, first of all, what are the things that you need? What would it be like to have a healthy work relationship and how does that feel? And to look at what is working. So identify those strengths, look at what's not. So you can leverage those. Like we spoke about create a manual of me. And again, I will link the website that Najwa mentioned in the description, learn about communication styles. So how do people receive information? How do you receive information? So are you someone who wants to know that you were having coffee and the bird flew by and it gave you an idea? Or are you someone who just needs to know, Hey, I need this thing done. <laughs> Here is the deadline that I need it by. Don't do anything like within <laughs> parameters. Otherwise, have fun. Like, are you that person? Um, so know that and know who the people that you are giving, you know, direction to know how they best receive information mm -hmm. and also know how they like to receive feedback and also know how you do like to receive feedback because, you know, it's not just if you are a leader giving this feedback and this direction to someone else, but it's also asking if you were an employee for the ways in which you are best suited and served to receive the information and feedback. And so whenever we do this, you are really setting yourself up for success, which is the mention that I want to leave you on. When we are thinking about work environments, we oftentimes find ourselves in a space where we're existing in an environment that was created for us. And so I invite and encourage you to create an environment that works for you. After you have done this work, after you have this awareness, after you have looked at your manuals of me and you know your communication styles and you looked at what's working and what's not, how can you do little things to set up your environment for success? Does that look like opening the tabs that you're going to need in the morning before you leave the night before? Does that look like, you know, taking your coffee cup and making sure that it's ready to go? And I mean, these things sound simple, but I want to also remind you that these simple things are the things that usually work. Those sexy things, those quote unquote hacks that you see, that's why they're called hacks, right? <laughs> like <laughs> that's not going to work that it might work for a little while, but again, it might also be, and the higher probability is that these things are going to be so far removed from what it is that you normally do from your version of normal that, like I've said, that 95 to 98% of your subconscious is going to be like, I mean, we can do it for a minute, but it is tired. Like this is not our normal. Like we're, we're going to stop after a while. We're going to go back to what we know. So once you know what it is that works for you to take those steps to set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, what are your final thoughts to everyone well you were talking about opening those tabs this isn't necessarily a final thought but there's an easy way y'all you can set up your browser to open those tabs for you when you turn on your computer and open up that browser in the morning i used to do that i had a sauna open my gmail and some other site that i needed just to be able to plow through stuff and have what i needed it's brilliant it's a great hack uh not hack it's a great uh, system to support yourself. There we go. Um, and I would also share, I hope that you each are able to take at least one thing and try it out yeah. from this conversation to better support yourself at work. When Jana was saying we are often moving into and working in an environment that was created for us. Yes. Leaders, you set the tone in these spaces mm -hmm. and those who are, um, new to staff and associates, you will also begin to help set that tone when you come in. What do you need? 
and what can support everybody else and how can you all work together to create the environment that best serves all of you yeah in the space where you all feel psychologically safe you all feel supportive supported and you're all hopefully getting things done as you need um and some of the things you were listing out that you can sort of do I know that you started talking about that around atomic habits and I'll be having you on my YouTube channel to talk about that which would be exciting um because you keep mentioning that book and now I definitely have to read it I love Um, (laughs) I think that'll be a great conversation um but even as we've been sitting here I'm like you know what some of these things I'm gonna put in a little document with some like helpful things and send it all over so y'all can get access to that by way of the posts that we've put up so so awesome so yeah so thank you so spoiler alert we have resources for you if you are interested so get excited for that and yeah we will put details for that in the description for you so make sure to check that out um aside from that yeah thank you so much for being here where can everyone find you and what do you have going on Well, you can find me on my website, wordsaction.com or on Instagram at wordsactionllc, where you'll see the biblio coaching work that I do. So I like to take books and help women apply it to their lives. Gentlemen, please feel free to check it out as well. Um, There are some quarterly book lists out there as well. So I'll be putting out a new one, which will also be work focused and things you can do to enhance. your work life. Mm -hmm. And some of that stuff will also be coming from a talk I'll be doing with a foundation soon on intentional leadership. I'm actually thinking that I might actually have to do a recording of it and put that out there as well to support some folks. Um, Because I think this message just keeps coming up. And I think it's a conversation that we need to have. Um, And then by way of the Instagram, you'll be able to find other sites and things that are happening at Words in Action LLC. So yeah, thank you for having me. As always, it was a ple- a wonderful conversation and it actually made me start thinking like, what are some other things I can do to make sure, like, I know I did this stuff earlier in my life, but where am I now? What yeah. are the things I need now? Um, because we're constantly evolving human beings. So yes. You're constantly evolving human beings. Yeah, which evolution, shout out to- the topic for next month we're all going to be talking about the whole month is going to be dedicated to evolution of the self so yeah beautiful beautiful segue which was not intended not intended but yeah that is what's going to be happening so thank you and i will make sure to put everything in the description like i said so that you'll be able to tap on over if you do not follow her already i highly recommend and thank you so much for being here what i have going on for you is um as you know these conversations are all about shit I wish someone would have told me. And I have taken all the shit that I wish someone would have told me and put it into the signature program, which is now available, ladies and gentlemen, for fall enrollment. And so, you know, this conversation today was really present to talking about, you know, the importance of knowing who you are, discovering who that is, why it's so important. And we gave you some ways in which to do that from a professional work stance. And in the program, we talk, you know, how to do that in a life stance. So you can apply it to the professional life. You can apply it to your platonic relationships, to your familiar relationships. And that's just part of the program. Um, I teach you a system that is repeatable so that exactly like Najwa said, like, hey, like, what do I, what, what do I do right now? Because we're constantly evolving. The things that you learn within this program are a repeatable system that you can rinse and repeat once you have completed the full program, which is 90 days one-on-one with me to guide you through it. You will have access to it for as long as I'm in business doing this program. And so you will be able to go back into that content and rinse and repeat that process anytime you feel the need, whether that's in six months, whether that is in six years. Um, Assuming, yeah, like I'll be here, which I'm not going anywhere. So Um, If you have any questions about that, go ahead, head to the description as well, because applications are open, like I said, for fall enrollment, um, but they will be closing soon. So make sure to get in on that um, and apply. I will personally review your application. And then from there, if it's a good fit, we'll hop on a call. I'll answer any questions. If not, then 
we will walk away with tangible action steps for you. Like we'll spend that time talking about it for you. So worst case scenario, you still get action steps towards the best next steps for you, whether that's whatever we have to suggest, or that is going, you know, into the program. So that's what I have for you. Um, make sure to check out my Instagram stories on Wednesday over at Hey John or Renee, because we are going to be asking some questions in the poll, or we're going to be asking you some questions via the stories to get some feedback on your experience with the ways that you work. And then on Friday, we are going to be going live to answer questions that you have about the ways in which you work, share what you had to say about your experience and to get to know Najma a little bit better. So that'll be lots of fun. Make sure to join us for that. If you have any questions, you know where to find us. Otherwise, have an amazing day. Share this with someone that needs to hear it as well and the benefit from learning about the ways that they work. And until Friday, we'll see you on the screens. Bye everyone. Bye.